Welcome to the EchoCast, the podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, whatever else I feel like covering. I am your host, Bon, and this week I'll be talking about the PlayStation Showcase, Embracer Group takes a financial hit, Golem's bad reviews, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and comment with your thoughts, questions for next week, or to just say hello. A big thank you to supporter level patrons PK, The Don, Cage Nephilim, and Neuronix. As well as a producer level thank you to Hassan. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad free episodes for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash bond diesel. Gaming news. This week we have 12 topics, quite a few. Topic number one, the PlayStation Showcase and my thoughts. So um, I streamed most of this, it was kind of a weird situation um, and I actually will not be up, uh, uploading that stream. It can get weird on YouTube with doing that stuff. Um, I did do like a summary, so if you wanna check out on YouTube, my thoughts on the whole show, um, you can, uh, just the, the highlights I wanted to talk about. Uh, was Spider-Man 2, obviously. I have more to say about that, though. Uh, but it looked really good, looked fun, looked like more Spider-Man, which the first game is one of the more heralded games of the, the recent gen. Um, and this one seems like it's going to be uh, another big deal because it's uh, a sequel to that game. So looked like mostly good stuff. Um, Metal Gear Solid 3 remake. That one's gotten some mixed reviews because this is a remake being done by I think it's virtuous is the studio along with Konami but obviously uh, no Kojima and so I've seen some mixed takes on this I've seen some people be like well it's supposed to be a one-to-one -one remake so in theory and they're bringing back all the voice actors and all of that to redo their lines in theory it should be fine but will it be missing the magic right I think that's what a lot of people are wondering about and um, I don't know. I, I think they can do it. I'm sure the Resident Evil 4 remake had different people on it. I'm sure, you know, all these Mass Effect Legendary, Legendary Edition, uh, you know, all these games that have been remade or remastered. Uh, I, I doubt too many of them had all of their original devs. And so I think it can be fine. But we'll have to wait and see. That is coming along with a... A volume one where it's going to be Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, and 3 so they can work on the new systems. Uh, and that suggests they may do a volume two that may include Metal Gear Solid 4. I didn't know this, but I believe short of having a Metal Gear Solid 4 disc, you like can't play that game right now. I didn't know that. I just assumed you could download it, but apparently you can't. So... Uh, that there's a lot of excitement about four just because it would make it easy to play again so we'll have to wait and see and that's going to be multi-platform which was surprising um we'll, we'll talk about that most of the big hitters in my opinion of this show were multi-platform games which is not what you expect from a you know what you would assume would, would be a first party showcase but we'll get into that um, assassin's creed mirage was shown i thought that looked really good uh, there's been all this talk that this was a um, it was originally a DLC for Valhalla and they have turned it into its own game. And not only did they do that, but supposedly and they've claimed and it looked like it in this trailer, um, they're trying to go back to kind of a more old school Mass Effect, <laughs> Mass Effect Assassin's Creed uh, feel. And it, it it looked the part we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm excited. I want to see a modern take on Assassin's Creed with the old school stuff, but the new school graphics and all of that. So very excited for that. Alan Wake 2 showed and it looked really good. I was really impressed by that. I thought that um, the idea of you playing as a different character or maybe Alan Wake is going to be kind of a uh, 
enigma or a presence rather than the main character is fine. The graphics looked amazing. Uh, the, the presentation was great for this. There was some controversy about this game because apparently it's going to be digital only, which I didn't know that the not Alan Wake one, but it's big DLC um, was also digital only. So this is not that big of a, a change for them. But there's kind of a thought of the, the you know, printing disc just costs a lot of money. And their whole reasoning is they feel like they can make the game $10 cheaper on the platforms uh, due to not having physical. So we'll uh, we'll see if they pull back on that. Uh, Bungie's new game, Marathon, was shown. This is technically a reboot of a really old franchise. Uh, it doesn't really seem like it has much to do with the old franchise, but still, it's got some lineage there that they're playing off of. It's going to be a uh, extraction shooter. Uh, we're gonna the, the the weekly topic is about those types of games, so we'll talk more about that. But um, the, the aesthetic was uh, it was a CGI trailer, um, but the aesthetic that they're going for, at least that they're promoting right now, looks insane. Looks like so good. Um, so unbelievably good. Now, the problem with that is that if you remember all of the concept art and all of the pre-release, um, maybe marketing, but at least the way the game was portrayed, Destiny, before release, was way different than what we got. Like, drastically different, like so different i'm surprised people don't still mention it different now destiny has gone on to be very successful with two games so i it, obviously it found its audience and people enjoy it and it's fine but i'm one of those people who still remembers what it seemed like we were getting and really would have preferred that over what we got but i'm one of few it appears uh, the final bit was they announced their Project Q, which is a streaming tablet specifically for the PlayStation, as well as some Sony PlayStation uh, branded earbuds. Um, I'm sure those will be fine. They'll be 50 bucks more expensive than they should be. Um, but if you want brand synergy, I'm sure the earbuds are fine. Uh, the tablet uh, streaming thing is interesting because... Uh, it's literally, they, they took a DualSense controller, cut it in half, and attached it to the back of an 8-inch tablet. It, 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 it's remote play, so it, it won't play any games on its own. It will not play anything. It's going to be probably a pretty underpowered tablet. And the whole point is that it uses an app to interface with your PlayStation, and it streams games from that. It's the same thing that you can do on your phone with PlayStation and Xbox right now. And it's fine, but I suspect the kicker is going to be the cost. I bet I've seen people be like, oh, I bet it's going to be like under a hundred bucks. What company do you think you are dealing with? Sony, especially PlayStation is not going to give you a deal. They're going to charge 250 bucks for that thing. At least that's my prediction. So we'll see. Uh, and people will pay it. Some will. I don't think it's going to be a very popular product. I, I think if it could play its own games, if it could function independently, I could see it being very popular, but I just don't like its main use will be inside your own home. Say you have your PlayStation five hooked up to your TV and you want to be able to play it when, you know, someone else is watching the TV, I'm like, okay, but like, is it really worth $250 or you know, maybe less, maybe more? Uh, especially, it was especially funny because just a few days before, I believe it was Backbone released their PlayStation Five, uh, like branded, like official um, uh, controllers that you hook up with a, a phone to to do the remote play through an app on your phone. Um, one of my favorite parts about that, just because I, as an Xbox fan, is that on the PlayStation uh, Backbone. Uh, it had the Xbox layout of the sticks. Um, I would have figured for sure PlayStation would be like, uh-uh, you can't put us, we can't be on that branding unless you have our stick layout. But 
uh, I assume that's like a standard for backbone and they just were probably would have been like, okay, well we just won't do it because we aren't going to retool our entire line for a controller change, especially when it's already perfect. But yeah, so my thoughts on this whole show, um, I mean, if you watch the recap or if you were hanging out on the stream with me, it was interesting because there were a lot of cool games shown. Um, the problem is, is that Sony and PlayStation have had a reputation that the state of plays tend to be this kind of show. Lots of third party stuff, lots of multi-plat stuff with maybe a sprinkling of first party excitement. But the showcases have typically been pretty heavy on the first party, on the exclusive, on the big bangers. And this was this was basically a glorified stay of play from my perspective. Spider-Man 2 looked fine. I've seen a lot of people glowing over that. And it seems like people, maybe and maybe not, maybe I'm just a hater, um, kind of trying to like make up for like how kind of rough the show was. And I thought the Spider-Man 2 gameplay, I thought the gameplay looked fine. It seems like it's very like plays itself in a lot of ways. And I kind of felt like the first game seemed like that too, but people love it. So whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. I thought the graphics looked awful. Um, I now I, I attributed it possibly to, um, you know, it's a 6,000 kilobit stream. It's only 1080p. It's compressed. It's, you know, maybe all those things are why it didn't look too stunning. Um, but then I went back and I did watch like the high def, like um, you can find the that gameplay segment in high, you know, in 1440p, uh, 4K. And I watched it again and it, I don't think it looks that good. Uh, it obviously like looks good and like, it looks like it's gonna be fun. If you like the first game, it looks like this is gonna be a ballpark home run. But like a discerning eye, like when they did close-ups on the suits, like they looked awful. Like they looked really bad. Um, and, and maybe not necessarily like objectively bad, but like, like this game is next gen or current gen only. And so the whole idea in theory is that if you don't have to continue servicing the last gen systems, you should be able to bump up the base quality. And I really felt like, especially in the close-ups, the texture work, like on the main characters, like it's one thing if in this big giant open world game, if some of the background stuff isn't perfect, it, who cares? But like typically your main characters will look like really good, especially in like in like cutscenes where they can allocate more of the power to, to, to having more complicated textures and stuff just for that cutscene. And I thought the cutscenes looked kind of terrible. It was really interesting. I haven't seen a lot of other people saying that. And this, and, and I'm definitely well. And I also don't pay attention to all of the console war gamers and all that. So I'm sure maybe someone's mentioned it, but I, I don't doubt the game's still gonna be amazing. It obviously will be. It just to me was just weird. It it, it seemed odd to me that a game that is supposed to be this big jump forward kind of looks like it. Like, I'm surprised it's not on the last gen systems. I'm sure it's got systems going and stuff that maybe the last gen couldn't uh, do it, or maybe they've just decided to move on either way. Um, maybe this game was like designed at one point to be cross platform or cross generation, but I don't know. Either way, that game is going to sell, you know, 15, 20 million copies and Sony will be laughing to the bank at my, um, I'm sure my opinion is, uh, no more respected than puddle gate with the first game. Um, and then the last bit I do want to talk about is that Sony did have a, a quippy response after this was over and they had a graphic that they posted of all of the games from the showcase that will also be on Xbox. And it was most of the big ones and it included like Mirage or, or Marathon, uh, the Bungie game, uh, which the impression I'm under is that um, Sony did acquire Bungie, but I believe they're they're owned by Sony, not by the PlayStation division. Um, and that Bungie is still self-publishing. Uh, it was a big agreement that they would still be multi-platform. And so it's, it's one of those things where they like, aren't maybe technically a PlayStation first party studio because they're actually like owned, 
you know that they don't technically own it directly uh, but they're obviously going to work together like the destiny just had uh some skins come out uh where you could you know dress up as some various uh playstation characters like they're gonna have cross um pollination there but it, it, it kind of seems like i don't know it was interesting the the xbox cl uh, clapback was was well to me i just was like oh okay they're just you know they're obviously being a little like you know you know snapping um but really they they just posted the graphic being like hey those are some great looking games and and it showed all the ones that will be on xbox people took it as like oh xbox better have the best show they've ever had if they're gonna clap back like that i'm like i i guess but like it wasn't like they were they, they said like well our show's gonna have you know 10 first party exclusives unlike the other one like they didn't just you know if it was that blatant then maybe it would call for um for for some anger but i thought it was fine but maybe i'm biased um but overall the show was okay i thought as an xbox fan yeah, i loved it because all the good games they showed that for the most part will be on xbox so it was i got to see some new stuff i'm excited about now if I was a PlayStation diehard, especially someone who cares about like the console war, I'd be pretty upset. Um, a lot of people were hoping this would be the big showcase to be like, okay, here's what's coming in the next two or three years. And they would show like Wolverine and the next Naughty Dog project and the next Santa Monica project, Santa Monica, uh, and the next, um, you know, all these different things. And they didn't, they, they really barely showed anything. They they, they they showed the Bungie stuff, including some Destiny 2 DLC, Spider-Man 2, and a couple like Concord, I think was one. And I feel like there was one more project, but it was like kind of not super exciting. It was really interesting. Um, do I do I think that like Xbox is going to have, you know, this amazing show that's going to overshadow it? I, I expect the, play, the, the Xbox show to be better. I think we're going to see more than a couple first party games. I, at least, you know, even if it's fairly vague updates on Hellblade 2, on State of Decay 3, on uh, Forspoken, on, you know, I, I think we'll see something. We'll, I think we'll obviously see a pretty big blowout, you know, with Starfield having its own showcase. Uh, Forza Motorsport probably having a good segment. I think they actually confirmed that today. Um, and, and I think we'll see some other stuff. Um, it's not like I think people are going to sell their PlayStations and go buy Series X's because of that. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I, I remember I saw some weird commentary today of people being like, well, Xbox doesn't have very good showcases either. And like, that's like objectively false. Xbox has amazing showcases. They almost always do. Uh, they just never deliver on them. <laughs> like, like they just, they rarely and sometimes never like fully deliver on the games that they tease and, and all of that they they often you know as we've seen in the last year you know basically almost nothing comes out and what does with redfall isn't great or it's a surprise like hi-fi rush which in hindsight probably should have been treated like a traditional full release and, and they could have charged 60 bucks for that and i think it would have like more prestige and probably would have sold better to more people but we'll see uh, we also have the Ubisoft, Ubisoft show coming up as well as the Summer Game Fest. So uh, the, the last bit about this is I've seen people proposing, well, actually, I think Sony was holding back and they're going to show stuff at Summer Game Fest or at another showcase later this year. They 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 aren't like they aren't that genius, like like this kind of stuff affects like stock prices and stuff like that. They They wouldn't intentionally shoot themselves in the foot. Like I, I saw people be like, well, they're going to see what Xbox has and then do their real show. It's like, guys, come on. Like, I, I think what we're finding is that there's a really good chance that after Spider-Man 2, they just are going to be maybe in a weird cycle where they don't have anything really exciting for like a year or a year and a half. They'll have third party deals. They'll have third party exclusives. They'll, they'll, they'll do some stuff that people will be excited for. I have no doubt. PlayStation will be fine, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we don't see, you know, the because I've seen people be like, well, Wolverine will be out fairly soon. It's like, I don't know how big Insomniac is, uh, and it, maybe they are big enough to have two full AAA uh, scaled uh, development teams. So maybe they are going whole hog on uh, Wolverine right now. Probably not. 
they're probably going whole hog on Spider-Man 2 right now, which doesn't even have a date, uh, but should come out later this year. And they will probably shift a lot of that over to Wolverine once Spider-Man 2 comes out. But if that doesn't happen until this fall, I doubt Wolverine's going to be done in a year. And so I saw people being like, oh, yeah, well, Wolverine's going to come out in 2024. I'm like, I mean, maybe, but like probably not. And then a bunch of other stuff. Like, again, we don't know what Santa Monica is doing. Uh, I'll talk about some Naughty Dog stuff in a little bit where their stuff could be a little rocky. Um, it, it, it's going to be an interesting year for PlayStation. Um, and I and I think I guess Xbox kind of has an opportunity here to kind of be like, hey, actually, things are going OK over here. Just forget about Redfall, <laughs> you know, like we'll see. Um, either way, I think PlayStation fans will be happy at the end of the year. I think Xbox fans will be happy at the end of the year. And hopefully people have both and they'll all be happy. That's my goal. Story number two, a report came out saying that Ubisoft Star Wars is uh, Star Wars game could be coming out sooner than we think and it could be as soon as march 2024 uh, so i believe it was last week or maybe the week before i talked about how ubisoft put out all of their expected games for the uh, rest of the fiscal year which for them goes until the end of march of next year 2024 and um one of the ones listed was uh, an unannounced game or, or 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 a big release that we don't know and that we aren't we haven't heard of yet like a release date at least and so now the rumors are going pretty hard into that being the Star Wars game from Ubisoft Massive. I was guessing, I was wondering if maybe this was the Division Heartland um, for reasons, <laughs> um, but it might not be. It seems like the general feeling now that this might be Star Wars. Um, I may or may not have reached out to try to find some stuff out about this and people's lips were sealed shut because you don't F with Disney. <laughs> so... Um, I think this is pretty possible, pretty likely even, uh, and, and I really, I hope it's true. I want to play this game by less than a year from now. Um, it's pretty cool that it seems like so far, no major details of that game have leaked, like basically at all, uh, no gameplay, nothing like that. Like everyone is assuming it's going to be the division in star Wars and maybe it will be, and that would be super cool to me. Um, but I suspect it's going to be more than that. And so, um, you know, hopefully they can keep it all under wraps until they purposefully show us. Um, it could be as soon as the Ubisoft forward. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. If it is coming this fiscal year, you would think that we'll see something. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. But this would be very exciting for me. I think Ubisoft Massive is probably Ubisoft's best studio. I'm a little biased. Uh, but I, I really am excited to see them hopefully get a chance to flex their development muscles on something that isn't the division. Story number three, Naughty Dog delays, quote unquote, their games as a service and cuts staff and scope on that project. So there's this whole factions game, uh, this factions mode that everyone was expecting after The Last of Us 2, uh, because The Last of Us 1 had a multiplayer mode. And what happened was, I think it was, I think it was last year where they said like, Hey, we do, we are working on something, but it's bigger in scope, uh, than just a little PVP mode. So we're going to take some time. And then today they put out a, a letter, uh, which was common today, unfortunately, basically saying like, Hey. Uh, you know, we're, we're taking our time on that project. We're, we're not showing it yet. We know you wanted to see it. Sorry, our bad. And then Jason Trier very quickly afterwards put out an article talking about like that he's hearing that they're cutting back on staff for that project and the scope of it. So I saw people thinking that this was going to be like a, a, a the division game in the lost uh, in the last of us universe which could be really cool i've talked a lot about how i would love to see a the division game in the style of the last of us um just that gritty realistic kind of personal thing um and so i guess if they do the opposite that could have been cool um the, the the thoughts on this are interesting i've seen a lot of people i trust being like oh they're gonna shut that project down 
Like, that's not what it says. That's not what Jason Schreier's article necessarily says. It's not what their letter said, their official one. But it, it does seem a little bit like a writing on the wall thing, because if it is this big, ambitious project and, and they are cracking away at it, you know, you're not going to take away people and take away the scope. Uh, that's them being like, uh, OK, that's too much. Let's pare this thing down to some essentials and let's get it out, because maybe that's not what we're going for. Um, a big thing I've talked about, and I think we may have seen the results of it in that PlayStation showcase, is that games as a service are not just hard, they're impossible to make. They, they are, they're just impossible. Um, and the reason I say that is because they're the, the one studio, maybe two, maybe digital um, extremes, uh, but Bungie makes the best quote unquote games as a service in like, you know, in that sense with destiny too. And even though it's probably the best one, obviously everyone has personal opinions, but if you had to look at the big picture and you had to pick like, what's the best games as a service or looter shooter or whatever, like I would pick the division, but I think most people would pick destiny. And despite that, they, they still screw it up all the time. Like destiny two is probably the best game in its genre, but it's not perfect. And it is far from it and so it's one of those things where i i think I, I still don't think a single live service game has really been nailed right and so you know you know that we've seen examples of that and then we see that sony says hey we're actually working on 10 games as a service games and even though those won't all be like marathon or the division or or like destiny they will still require that kind of work if they are truly a live service game. And people just don't realize that live service games, even Bungie can't keep up with demand because you know, you have large contingents of your, of your population of your players who just burn through content extremely quickly. And they tend to be the loudest ones too, even if they don't make up the majority. And so I, I wonder if this whole show and the fact that it felt a little lackluster is a direct result of them having to invest way more resources into these games as a service games across all their studios where before they really focused on single player, third person action adventure games, which are extremely hard to make, especially at the fidelity and complexity that Naughty Dog and the PlayStation studios do. But you, you take that, you know, we also heard today that Naughty Dog is working on a single player uh, new experience. Most people are taking that as the last of us three could be something else. But if if they are working on something like that and doing it the way that they do, then the resources taken away by a games as a service would be detrimental to that. And so maybe that's the reason, you know, we didn't see things from some of these studios is because they are working on those things that everyone wants to see, but they're also having resources and time sucked away by these live service games where either they're working on them between studios or there is a studio that's doing like a single player game and the games as a service like Naughty Dog. Um, I, I just I really think we're going to see the impact of we're going to see how just devastating these uh games as a service can be on a developer and publisher. I just, I don't think people realize how demanding they are. And I think that we're going to see the results of it with how things are going with PlayStation. PlayStation is going to be fine. PlayStation is more than happy to cut projects if they aren't going to work out. So I, I suspect that them more so than a lot of publishers will not allow it to drag them down too much, but I think that they will at least a decent amount see where it's going and then maybe make some choices uh but yeah i think we're gonna see just how good playstation's management is of their studios because uh because it's gonna be hard <laughs> on everyone uh to get these 10 live service games to market uh, and to support them properly which so far i would argue that no one ever has Story number four, 
Yoshida explains why Final Fantasy 16 is a Sony exclusive. This article was really funny because it talked a lot about how only worrying about one platform makes it easier to optimize, even though the all the talk in the previews about this game is that it's not very well optimized. You know, just throwing it out there. This comes out very soon. Um, and, and, and all of this stuff and their relationship with Sony and stuff. And I made a tweet or I quote tweeted it and was just like, I wish they were just allowed to say, oh, they back, you know, Sony just gives us all the money. They just give us so much money to do to, to only put it on their system. And it's just that simple. Like, yeah, sure. There is like the history between Sony and Final Fantasy. Um, sure. Maybe it is easier to develop for one platform, even though again, it sounds like it's not actually that that didn't work, <laughs> but who's to say it's, um, it's just, it's the money they, they, you know, Square Enix, um, could refuse that money and put out 16 on Xbox and on PlayStation. And they would probably lose money if, if they're negotiating that deal right. They are saying, uh, sure, Sony, we'll take your money because um, e either for development or, or just for salaries and bonuses or whatever. Um, yeah, we'll take your money and we just we acknowledge we're going to lose some money from Xbox, but you're giving us so much that it's worth it. Um, because it is it's it's kind of a double-sided sword though because they're the, a big argument that you've seen with various um japanese studios and and games that are very you know like kind of uh, more focused on that audience is that they never sell well on xbox when they have been on there the problem with that argument is that if they're never on there you never build an audience and so of course they sell bad when the occasional jrpg does get released on xbox because all the best ones aren't. And so um, it, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. Um, I appreciated that they're trying to be like, yeah, 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 here's all the reasons that we are exclusive to PlayStation when I wish we lived in a world where they could just be like, oh, they pay us a ton of money. Like they, they just give us all the money to do this. But, you know, it is what it is. Story number five, this is a fairly quick one, but an, uh, an interesting one. The Embracer Group, um, the publisher based out of uh, Sweden, uh, announced that they had a $2 billion funding bill or funding deal fall through that they'd been negotiating for over six months. And what was really interesting about this is that not only um, the, the initial reaction was like, oh man, they were going to use all that money to try to fund new projects. Um, and if someone wants to correct me, I, I won't pretend like I, I can't remember. I didn't write it down, but I believe they said something like 70% of the money or something was already allocated to paying for existing projects. And, and the worrying part about that is that that means that that money is not happening anymore. And then that means that all those projects that were expecting that money to help them finish development, where's that money coming from now? Um, this was an interesting announcement because they, they didn't just release it in the press release. Uh, they, they did it live with the CEO and he was, that man was just purely defeated. Like if you thought that Phil Spencer on the kind of funny X cast was like a defeated grumpy man, you should see this embracer group, uh, uh, presentation. It is rough. It is, it is not good that you can tell that. That deal must have just fallen through and they are still dealing with it. Um, if you don't know the Embracer Group, I, I don't know. I, I should have looked it up, but they they um, own a hilarious number of studios uh, as a publisher, um, like 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 dozens and dozens of studios um, and, and they own tons of IP. Uh, they, they have like all of the tools to be a legitimate, huge publisher. Uh, and they just don't release anything like this Gollum game, which we're going to talk about is one of their kind of highlights this year. And it, it's very bad. <laughs> and so it's one of those things where they probably needed this 2 billion because they've had a bunch of these studios forever and they haven't, as far as I know, done almost anything with them. And so um, this was interesting. If Embracer Group fell apart, um, it would be kind of a fire sale, I guess, of playstations and xboxes and probably ea and maybe even ubisoft and a bunch of these you know 2k and, and all these uh big publishers uh, of probably sniping up and swooping up a bunch of really great ip and stuff um 
in studios, some really good studios. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely interested to see what happens with this, and I will certainly be following it. Story number six, a really short one. Microsoft has formally appealed the CMA ruling that blocked their uh, Activision Blizzard King acquisition. Uh, the focus of the appeal appears to be them saying like, you know, the, the CMA basically denied our whole thing because of cloud gaming. And, and here's all the reasons why that, you know, one, it's, you know, cloud gaming is such a minuscule part of the current gaming world. And two, why they may, they probably won't necessarily dominate it because other people are making moves in that area and stuff like that. So the, uh, I believe if I, again, if I remember correctly, only like 40% of appeals, um, only like 40% of appeals like go through, um, and, and are successful. Um, and I believe that even if the appeal goes through, it's not like the deal, like the, the acquisition happens, the, the acquisition judgment goes back to the same board that already denied it and they have to re-evaluate the deal, um, I believe accepting or acknowledging the results of the appeal if it gets uh, approved. Um, or the appeal may not happen, it may not work, and it's just dead in the water still. Um, there's a lot of talk that um, Xbox could still finish the deal and there's just going to be some weirdness about how uh, the companies get treated in the um, CMA covered market, which is mostly, uh, you know, Britain, the United Kingdom, essentially. And um, I, it would be weird. It would be interesting. Like, in theory, um, Activision, you know, ABK and Xbox would have to just behave as separate companies in that one country and then everywhere else they could behave as, as, as one. Um, definitely an interesting one. I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Um, I've really seen the attitude in the last couple of weeks really turn towards this still going through and that the CMA may change their mind. Um, because basically I believe that literally every other um, jurisdiction has approved the deal, even China and, and a few others that were uh, holding out. I don't think um, the United States has approved it yet, but it, it it's kind of a similar situation where it's that they're kind of putting up resistance because they have to, um, because the person who's in charge of, of that um, of that review board uh, is kind of taking the hard line on this stuff. Um, but people don't think that the United States is going to be an issue. We'll have to wait and see. Okay. Topic number seven is actually our weekly topic. And it's uh, going back and talking to uh, the the idea of our extraction games, the next big trend. Um, so over the last few years, you know, we see different trends happen. We saw open world games get really popular in the late 2000s. And Ubisoft kind of uh, did that to us. Um, and then more recently, we saw uh, like battle royales get really popular. We saw the um, you know, PUBG get big. We saw Fortnite. We saw um, you know a bunch of these games at Warzone, you know, doing that thing. Uh, it, a little fun fact is that in a lot of ways, the Division One had a DLC called Survival, and if you ever go back, um, it basically was one of, but probably the most mainstream, one of the first, uh, not only battle royales, cause it kind of was, that's the thing. It, it was very loosely a BR, but it was, it was also loosely an extraction shooter at the same time. Um, and both of those trends have happened since that came out. Survival, um, if you talk to a division community member, you would think that it was the most popular thing ever. The truth is, is that beyond like the first week it came out and then like this one week they did a free trial of it, you could like never find full lobbies and stuff unless you were like right at the right time. Um, so it really wasn't as popular as kind of the the cult, you know, uh, the, 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 the cult fans uh, would have you believe, but it was still really cool. And, um, you know, so we saw BRs get really big and now it seems like the trend is going towards extraction games, which was kind of like a natural evolution 
of the BR franchise uh, or the genre. Um, and what we've seen is that like Escape from Tarkov, as far as I know, was one of the first like high profile extraction games where it's not just one person wins. You know, in theory, 20 people can spawn on a map. And if, if everything goes right for them, all 20 can extract. Now, you know, they have to contend with each other. There is a PVP element. Uh, there, there are AI, uh, you know, there are tasks that you're completing and things that you're doing. Um, and so it, it, the, the big difference, if you don't know, a BR is typically set up where one person or one team are the only people who can leave the map or are they, you have to, that's how you win. You become the last one or, or the difference being with extraction shooters is you can go kill everyone if you want or if you want to try, or you can just get from where you start to where you're supposed to get out and, and be quiet and, and mind your business. And, and, and you don't have to uh, participate in PVP and things like that. Um, even PVE, if you don't want to, um, if you're, if you're, if you're very sneaky, um, and that's becoming big. So Tarkov was kind of the big one. Um, of course, I can't remember it off the top of my head. Uh, you know, a year, a couple years ago, uh, there was another one that came out that was like a more casual version of that. And now we're seeing a whole bunch of it. Um, the big ones being uh, the uh, the Naughty Dog, uh, the Last of Us game was, you know, people were starting to think it was going to be an extraction shooter. Um, uh, the Division, if we go back to that, the Dark Zone mode is very much an extraction mode. Uh, if we go to, there's rumors that Heartland is an extraction game, the, the new division sp uh, spinoff or whatever you want to call it. We have Marathon uh, from Bungie, which we just saw announced, and it's going to be an extraction game. Um, and so, is that the next trend? And, and I think it obviously is. Uh, and, and one of the failings of that is, is actually Battlefield 2042. Um, when that game came out, it just didn't seem like it was meant to be a battlefield classic experience, but it had this hazard mode. I think that's what it was called. That was an extraction mode, but like it wasn't finished. And, and at least for me, like I put together the pieces of like, Oh, battlefield was trying to make an extraction game. Probably realized way too late in the game that it was not good or not worth it. And then they tried to pivot and be like, oh, no, 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 no. It's still Battlefield, but we just have this mode if you want to. And what ended up happening is the classic Battlefield mode and that extraction mode both came out unfinished. As far as I know, they haven't really touched the extraction mode since 2042 came out. They have improved the regular game a ton and even more is coming. That's a different story. But it's it's really interesting uh, because they can they both fall under the like battle royale thing. Um, you know, battle royales have are typically games as a service. They they have seasons and they have battle passes and all that. And so do extraction games. That's very common. We've seen it multiple times already. And so it it, it isn't like a big revolutionary change, but it absolutely, in my opinion, is uh, the the next big trend. Um, at least the more uh, a noticeable one. What's interesting about it is that all of the ones I've mentioned aren't trying to do like a realistic thing except Tarkov. And that's where that game still definitely has its hold on an audience where it's a bigger game than you think it is. Um, and it's also the only one that's tried to do it like quote unquote realistically. All of these other extraction games, even the division to a point are pretty stylized, are are not very gritty, are, are fairly, or at least trying to be somewhat approachable and stuff. And uh, Tarkov has at least mostly stayed with the whole idea of like, this is a hardcore game, we're gonna keep it hardcore. Now that's definitely changed. They've definitely lightened up, at least in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we'll see, we'll see the existing BRs that found success with uh, like Apex, Warzone, Fortnite, you know, all the big ones will obviously stick around PUBG even to, to this day. Um, but I really think you won't see too many of those coming out new. I think we're going to, you're going to see a lot more extraction shooters over the next couple of years. And, uh, and I think any of them that come out past like this year 
are probably too late. I, I, I really think that there is an audience that really wants to get one that is as close to Tarkov as possible, but is way more approachable because that game is not approachable uh, for lots of reasons. The gameplay design, the the devs, the dev, the studio for various reasons are just kind of not super fun to be associated with and to give your money to. Um, the community is, um, it has some great people in it and, and some good moments, but that community is rough uh, for various reasons, which I won't get into today. But yeah, I definitely think we see a bunch more of the, these extraction games and I'm, uh, I'm excited to see uh, if any of them can really hit it. Story number eight, uh, Ubisoft's Prince of Persia game has been rebooted again. So a year or two ago, they announced that the, the reboot or the, the remake of the Prince of Persia game, uh, it was being done by a third party studio. I, they showed gameplay and it was atrocious. I think it was an Ubisoft forward. And it seems like that reaction led them to uh, give the game back to the original studio. I think it's Ubisoft Montreal. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and we haven't heard much since then. And then we get this, you know, this information that's like, oh, it's because they took what they got from that third party studio. It's probably were like, nope, this is awful. We are not even going to try to fix this. And they're just doing it on their own. And so they've said that they're in the conceptual phase. So the fact that we saw what we saw of that of that footage a few years ago, uh, if they're in the concept stage at, at this point, I would assume that they completely scrapped the old remake and they're just doing their own, which will probably be a good thing in the long run. But it definitely makes that whole saga even crazier. Um, and it even like if you think about all of the talk about like Beyond Good and Evil 2 and how that game has been in development, quote unquote, for 10 years, uh, and it seems like it's nowhere, no, no, nowhere close to being released. It's that same idea where it's a, it's a believe it when I see it situation. Okay, uh, a few reviews, or at least like talking about reviews. Um, story number nine, Planet of Lana. Um, so I played this and beat it over the weekend, um, uh, or during this week, I guess, and it was fan friggin tastic um it's a side scroller puzzle game um it's a very artsy fartsy um very emotional at least in moments um very very cool game even just for the visuals it's cool the puzzles are never like impossible to figure out but they're fun um the story that's told in kind of a unique way is so good and this game, this Planet of Lana, just has has two, especially two moments that are meant to be these big cinematic moments. And man, they are just so good. Like, it's just hard to explain how good this game is. The fact that it has a Metacritic score of 82 um, is insane to me. I'm assuming a decent number of reviewers gave it lower scores for not being hard enough. I guess maybe not being long enough. I mean, I think it took me seven, eight, nine hours to beat, maybe 10. Um, it was longer than I expected. Um, it's a real shame. This isn't at least like an 85 or up. Like if it was up to me, I would give it a nine out of 10. Um, the planet of Lana was just a joy to play. Just so good. Um, if, if you have game pass, it's on there. So please at least try it on game pass if um i believe it's only like 30 bucks if you buy it on its own uh either on xbox or on pc play planet of lana excellent insanely good game and then we have story number 10. we have the golem game and it's metacritic score of 36. that's a it's rare that games that get a decent amount of reviews these days um, can even be that bad. Because if you remember, just a few weeks ago, Redfall came out and I think has a Metacritic of like 64 or something. And that was like the biggest disaster that Xbox has ever experienced, or at least that's how it was portrayed. And now you you look at that and, you know, the, the Golem dev team would kill for that score. 
Now, it didn't help that this is a it's part of a huge franchise. We saw um, the uh, the Harry Potter game um, Hogwarts come out and be like a pretty good game, uh, but probably because of its IP, especially, unfortunately, other stuff as well, sold like hotcakes, did extremely well, being a pretty good game with a insanely popular license attached to it. And what happened here is that you have a what appears to be a legitimately bad, terrible game with a super popular license attached to it. And you know what's sad is that no matter if I suggest checking out reviews and stuff for this, it legitimately seems as bad as the reviews are. And what's so crazy about it is that because it's attached to that big IP, they're going to sell probably 60% more copies than they should because a bunch of people who don't read reviews and don't care about pundits and critics and journalists and gaming are just going to see Gollum, Lord of the Rings. Oh, I like those books. I like those movies. I'm going to buy that. And they're going to play it. <laughs> and some people will probably be fine with it. Um, and, but yeah, that, that game, it's going to sell better than it should purely off its name. And one of the craziest things is that apparently the development team already had been greenlit for another Lord of the Rings game that's like fully funded. Um, there was some, it's tough. Like you saw the development team put out this like apology letter for the state of the game. One of the issues with it though, is that it's a little bit like Redfall, but it doesn't seem like it's nearly as, you know, it seems like it's way worse. Um, in that they, they kind of portrayed it as being like, Hey, we're dedicated to fixing the issues with this game and all that. Um, and, and there are glitches and bugs. It doesn't run well. Um, the, the golem game. Um, but the main issue is that it seems like it's like systematically at its core, a bad game. And so it won't matter how much they do, uh, to, to try to, to patch it up and stuff. It's just never going to be a good game. Um, and, and I saw some devs from that studio, their individual accounts, and it was pretty, it, 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 it was pretty bad. It was kind of sad. Um, and so my whole thing is, is don't attack the devs, you know, don't go after individuals. They did their best. These bad games are never one person's fault. They just, you know, the right people don't see these things at the right times or the, or they just don't care. And the, and the people doing the hard work, um, just do the best they can and they make the models as good as they can and the animations and the voice acting and the environments, they, they just do what they can. And then, um, you know, they, they, they try to be proud of what they did. So it's pretty bad though. There's some, I suggest checking out the gameplay, <laughs> some of the videos, it's pretty awful, like from top to bottom, it's crazy. Story number 11 is just a super quick one. Um, Cassette Beast um, came out on Game Pass, so I downloaded it and checked it out. It's essentially a alternative take on like a Pokemon game. It's it's very similar to Pokemon. It does have some twist, the, the, the way uh, things work, um, but it's it's that's what it is. I just want to point out that I'm only I've only played it for like an hour, and so I want to play more before I do like a review, but it has a amazing soundtrack and so if you just like music i highly suggest going and checking out um that that game and i believe that you can find the whole soundtrack on youtube so maybe you don't care about the game i suggest checking out the soundtrack it is fantastic and finally uh story number 12 some content updates i have accepted an offer uh, into the ubisoft creator program uh the truth is i actually um the stats on my content aren't high enough actually for their uh, for for them to typically take me um but if, if you do or don't know back in 2018 um god five years ago now i was named an ubisoft star player uh and all of and, and, and a lot of the star players who make content were invited automatically into this program it basically just gives us some early access and some perks uh to to, to participate in campaigns and stuff with ubisoft 
to be straight up, it won't affect my desire or willingness to criticize Ubisoft or congratulate them or whatever. It just hopefully will bring some cool opportunities um, to, to show you all some stuff, maybe exclusively um, or early and um, be on the lookout for that. I also, I don't even have this in my notes. I only saw it when I logged in today. Um, I got uh, approved and I, this is, pr if I got approved, a lot of people probably did, but I'll be able to, um, I'm like an approved streamer for Diablo four and its release. And so I fully plan on playing that game a ton, including on stream. And uh, I'm excited that it looks like there's a bunch of perks and stuff I can, um, I can provide, uh, by being accepted into that. I will probably make another video to explain that whole thing, or at least some kind of Twitch, uh, Twitter post or something like that. So be on the lookout. Um, if you are going to be playing Diablo four, it looks like you'll be able to get some cool stuff. If you, uh, check out my content, uh, especially on Twitch of that game, twitch.tv slash bond diesel. Okay, so that's all the stories. Let's jump into listener questions. If you have your own question, uh, topic, or story, uh, be sure to ask in the Discord and the YouTube comments. You can hit me up on Twitter at Bondiesel or at the EchoCast. And I just started and I and I put up a Google form where you can submit questions, topics, or stories on there for me to cover. So um, you know, links to all of that stuff should be down in the description or over on my Twitter or in the discord. So please check those places out. If you want to be part of the show, uh, we had, uh, actually a, quite a number of questions come through the Google form. Um, I picked, uh, two to go after I'll either cover the other ones later or make like separate videos about them because some of them I, I, I want to talk at more length on. Um, the first one here is from master prime. Uh, they have three questions. They said, uh, what is your favorite marketing campaign for a game? Um, well, my all time favorite trailer is actually for dead Island one. Uh, it, it's, it's emotional. The music is fantastic uh, for the time. The CGI was really good and it just feels all the feels and just had nothing to do with the game. Uh, the division one i would say is up there with its uh the the original trailers and stuff especially the the 2013 trailer um you know they they, they had such cool marketing for that unfortunately another story of a game that didn't fully fulfill you know, what we saw in the trailers and such but it still ended up being pretty darn good and um let's see is there one maybe more recently um the Gears of War 5, I remember its reveal at, I can't remember if it was an Xbox showcase or um, a uh, E3 showcase, um, but they had uh, a Billie Eilish song with um, one of the main characters' faces uh, doing all this contorting and changing and stuff. And I remember that just being like a really, really, really cool uh, intro to that game, which is a game I finally now, many years later, have started playing and have gotten pretty deep into and really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, so those are the ones I guess I'll pick off the top of my head. Second question is what do you consider a mature game? That's an interesting question because it comes so much down to the culture you're from. Um, I'm, if you couldn't guess American and, uh, we are very okay with violence and very not cool with sex <laughs> and, and drugs and stuff like that. And so even if I personally have no issue with any of those things, you know, that, um, that, that, that cultural thing still kind of gets implanted in your head. So to me, a mature game would be one of showing like extreme violence. Uh, maybe like light violence isn't technically mature. I don't know. You start to get in the semantics there. Uh, but definitely anything that involves like like sex and stuff like that. I still do think it's interesting that like drug use and stuff is considered like mature, like a mature rating for games. And like, I get it, but it also, I don't know. It's also interesting. Um, but especially the sex and nudity thing is, is really interesting because I guess if it's purely in a game for erotic reasons to be a turn on or to be, you know, like, like that, then I get it. I guess like if you just have a character banging, like I get it. But like, you know, inherently a breast 
shouldn't be mature. It's just a body part. It's just skin is all it is that we, you know, have our own connotations for. Um, so yeah, so uh, that's an interesting question because I think if you ask people from other places like uh, countries in Europe or even in South America or Central America or Africa or Asia or, you know, all over the world, you would either get more or less conservative responses depending on where people are from and their individual personal beliefs. But um, yeah, that's a great question. I love it. Uh, and finally, and I like this one, uh, Master Prime asked a lot of questions during the years, but nobody asked, how are you doing, Bon? <laughs> and and I'm okay. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I am pretty chubby these days. I need to get that figured out. Um, I actually think I'm going to try to take some pretty drastic steps for that, not just like a diet or something. I think I may need to deal with some uh, some more issues than that to, to, to figure that whole situation out. But that's not a bad thing. The realization uh, is, is the first step. Um, but yeah, like depression wise and stuff like that, I've been pretty good. I, I keep a pretty positive attitude. I, I hope that's portrayed through my content. Um, I'm definitely a, a glass and a full kind of person. So you rarely see me get like depressed, depressed. Like the worst I get is when I hear a song that like really gets me down. But then that tends to like, I felt feelings and now I feel great. You know, I'm, I'm not really one for depression, um, anxiety and stuff. You know, I'm an anxious person for sure. So maybe that's a little bit of an issue. But but overall, you know, family's good. The little ones growing up, shooting up like a weed. She's super smart and great. My wife's doing great, even though she had to have a rough day today. Maybe I'll talk about that on stream sometime. Um, I, I mean, my job's good. You know, content's great. Things have been going good here. Um, you know, there's some fun games coming out and have come out recently. Uh, you know, all the things I care about are pretty good. So no complaints. So thank you for asking. Uh, and then YouTube's, uh, I picked one of their questions uh, and says uh, what gameplay or creative influences do you hope contemporary games or media have on the next Mass Effect? So a big part of that would be looking back at the games I've enjoyed the most in the last you know four or five years. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2 being a big one. Um, I hope that they are inspired by that game uh, in the sense of uh, seeing a developer uh, make a gigantic world that still felt dense and still felt real and lived in. Um, I don't want the next Mass Effect to be a big giant open world game, but I hope I, I still think that there's lessons to be learned, especially in the way that like side quests work and stuff like that, where maybe they're um, attained more organically and things like that uh, and character writing and stuff. Obviously, I, I love Red Dead Redemption, too. And so, you know, it, it, as much as they can take from that, that would be cool. Um, I've talked a lot about how the the way that the, the open world areas are treated in um, Jedi Survivor. Uh, I really hope they take inspiration from that, where um, basically there are multiple planets you can explore, and some of them are pretty big, um, but they don't prevent you from mainlining the game if you want to. But they also give you freedom to explore and find some secrets and stuff like that, but not too much. Um, I really felt like Jedi Survivor had a very good treatment of open world. And um, that's definitely something I hope that they can take inspiration from. Um, what else? I mean, we have to talk about Tears of the Kingdom, right? I, I obviously don't expect the next Mass Effect to be much like a Zelda game. But I think that there are lessons to be learned there in, um, you know, freedom of choice and world design and things like that. Um, and, and just letting players play your game uh, and maybe not being super duper conservative with handholding and such. I, I think that would be a lesson to learn from those. Uh, and just media in general. I think I would like to see them be willing to abuse nostalgia a little. This is kind of maybe talking about like the Star Wars and the ups and downs of those more recent movies. You know, acknowledge nostalgia as a very powerful tool, both for the people who will feel it and the people who you can teach them about it. 
but also to be really brave. Um, I've, I've talked a lot about how the next Mass Effect, I think, should play a lot on nostalgia, but should be willing to upset people as well, because no matter how they move that game forward, whether I'm going to like it or not, the only way for them to move that game forward, I think, in a productive way is to be brave and to do some things that not everyone's going to love. Um, and, and so and so maybe that's uh, a, a bit of uh, influence I would I would like to see. So it's a very excellent question. YouTube's had a few other questions they submitted to the form uh, to the Google forms as well. Um, I'm actually going to try to make a video maybe uh, out of one of them and uh, and I can pepper those in to other podcasts if I need more questions. So thank you, uh, Master Prime and YouTube's. So like I said, there's all kinds of places to uh, submit your own stories, topics, or questions. Uh, the the big one I really want to push is that Google form. So check it out on my Twitter. Uh, I will try to remember to put it in the description uh, of the video uh, in the podcast. Uh, but you can find it on my Twitter, I promise. And there it is. That's it. This is one of the longer episodes we've had in a while. Um, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Uh, being a solo podcast, the main communication I have is with you. And so after this episode is finished, review it if you can. If you're on YouTube, please leave a comment. Uh, and for next week, jump into one of these options I've given to suggest a topic, a story. Um, give me feedback. If you just have a thought on something I can do better, I'll hear you out. I want to make this podcast bigger. Um, it's been stagnant for a while. It's doing okay, but I want I want this I want to grow our community and um, the, any help I can get with that, I appreciate it. You can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and on Twitch. That's all I have for this one. So until next time. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to go to the hospital.